Welcome to the River Valley Podcast. River Valley is a group of people seeking to connect to Jesus and connect to each other. And we're excited that you're here. Whether you're listening at home, on the job, maybe at the gym, in the car, wherever you're joining us, I hope that you'll open up your heart, open up your mind, and receive a fresh word from the Lord today. Enjoy the message. So thankful you guys are here today. Uh, you can go ahead and be turning your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. As we look at this next uh, section of Scripture in the book of Ephesians uh, called Handle with Care. The big idea is uh, three relationships that we want to make sure that you understand and get right. And so today we're going to talk about marriage. Uh, I remember when I got engaged... I remember uh, knowing that I was going to go into ministry, how bad of a catastrophic failure uh, it would be in my life if I got divorced. Now, I'm not judging you if you got divorced. I'm just saying you have to understand in my life, if I got divorced, it would mean not only did I lose my marriage and maybe my children, but it would mean I lost my job and my ministry. And so I really took marriage seriously. But as I've thought about the enemy of divorce, to me now at this stage of my life, Mel and I have been married 25 years, the bigger enemy is mediocrity. Is this idea of, okay, we're not going to get divorced, we're going to make it through, but also that we need to look at each other and say, okay, we've been married now 25 years, but Lord willing, we're going to be 25 more now, and we're empty nesters. We don't even have the kids to distract us. Like, we need to make sure we actually like each other in the days to come. So I want to help you today. This is one of the best early lessons that Mel and I got. This actually happened in our premarital counseling of how to do marriage well, of what the Bible says about marriage, and some of the lessons that you can apply to your life. Now, this is if you um, are going to be married one day, you hope to be married one day, this is important, even if you're not dating or, or, or don't know who that person is, that you begin to develop your life in such a way that you really are the type of person that whoever you're looking for, that that person is looking for in you, and you're developing that. If you're, certainly if you're dating or going to get engaged or married, uh, but even if you've been married a long time, these are laws of how marriage works correctly, and we want to see that. So one verse today, Ephesians chapter 5 Verse 31 says, for this reason, the reason is marriage, he's talking about, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother, he'll be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So I want to talk about two big ideas in this, and the first of is the law of priority. The Bible says we leave our father and mother. Now, uh, in a Western culture, as much we we probably don't don't do families exactly like they did in the ancient times. You might have one of these families that large extended families that get together. You played with your cousins, you hung out. That's fantastic. That's how they did it in the Bible day. But the problem with that is, is that the Bible taught them, hey, when you get married, you've got to leave that father and mother. They're no longer in charge of you. Now, it doesn't mean you separate yourself from your extended family. Absolutely not. It means that you learn to prioritize marriage over that extended family. And so you have to begin your process of, of marriage of looking at, okay, what did I bring into marriage? 
what did I look at? Now, your parents probably didn't teach you this extensively by, by like, here's, write these down. These are the four, you know, ways to have a good marriage. But you learn marriage by watching them over the years. So, so you brought those habits in from your father and mother. So, for example, how did your parents handle conflict? Did they fight? Was it a man like a, you know, no holds barred? I mean, in this corner, you know, I mean, was that your parents growing up? And they, they fought and they argued and they yelled? Would, or did they go the opposite extreme? Was it a cold war? And you walked in the room and you knew they were fighting because no one was talking. And you're like, can you feel the tension? Uh, I mean, and so you brought that in. You know, how did your parents handle money? How did your, how they do finances when they, when they were a little bit short? How did they, how did they handle conflict? How did they handle money? How did, how did they think about children in the relationship? And did they prioritize them over the marriage? Or did they, they put them on the back burner way to their family? You brought these things in to your marriage and you need to understand those so that you understand, okay, I'm going to take the parts that are definitely biblical and definitely good and bring those in. But some of these have to shift. I remember uh, when Mel and I got married, Mel, every night in the evening, when we first got married, she would go, what's the weather going to be like tomorrow? Every, I mean, every night, finally, I, you, know, <laughs> you know, for a while, you're like, I don't know, Cloudy. I just make stuff I, I, and so, and, 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 uh, and finally I was like, how would I know? How does anyone know the weather? Well, she grew up, her dad watched the six o'clock news and Wheel of Fortune, got, you know, and, uh, and so, so she grew up and her dad always knew the weather. So every night she asked her dad what the weather was going to be and her dad knew and told her. Well, now she's asking me and I'm like, how would he? How would you even know that? You know, like, so we got smartphones and you get the weather app. The weather app saved my marriage. I mean, I mean, really and truly, you're, you're just like, I don't know, babe. Let me, oh, it's got a little thingy that looks like lightning. So, you know, and so, so you, you bring in, the, and it's not like you thought of it. It's not like you thought, but you bring these preconceptions in to your marriage. And so, so there's good and bad in that. And you've got to be, you've got to learn to prioritize uh, that correctly. So in other words, your, the, the law of priority is this. Your marriage works best when your spouse is first. When you put your spouse first. The law of priority, your marriage works best when you put your spouse first. So I'm no, no longer going to be the child of my parents. Now I'm going to be the spouse of my wife. And I'm going to prioritize her even above my own needs and wants. So, so here's what I want to do. So I've, I've never actually done this before. I want to help you learn how to do this with your parents well, uh, because I, you know, when I first started preaching marriage, it was all about how to have a great marriage. Now, now as I'm thinking about it, and my, my kids are the age and they're starting to think about marriage, I think about it differently because I think about how does the parent and the adult child feel fit into a relationship of marriage? And how do you as a married person think about your parents? Because you don't abandon them, but you also have to learn how to do them differently. So, so let me give you some ways to, to work with your uh, parents if you're married or if you're, a, a mar or you're an older parent who now has adult children who's about to be married. How do you do that well? So it works both ways. So let me give you a couple of ideas of what this, this verse means. So first of all, uh, write down honor, not obey. Honor, not obey. Now, we honor our parents. The Bible says, Ephesians 6, 1, that this is the first commandment with a promise. The promise is, if you will honor your parents, that you will live long and that you will live well. And so we honor our parents 
because they are simply our parents. Now, some of you, your parents didn't do a great job. Welcome to adulthood. I mean, my kids all the time, my son all the time reminds me of the, the few times that I forgot him at school. I mean, all, you, you know, like, I mean, I'm, talk, I'm talking, I forgot him so much. One time I forgot him so much, it was like the last person at school was like, you got to pick up your kid. I want to go home. And, uh, and so, you know, you got to go get him. You look at him and you say two things. You say, number one, I'm sorry. Number two, if you tell your mother, I'm going to spank you. That, that's, and so, you remember you forgot me and I thought you abandoned me. And so I always just say the same thing. I'm like, hey, well, just go do better. Just do it better. Like, you, you, all of us grew up with parents who didn't do a perfect job in, in relating to each other. And so I wrote this down. Honor is position. Respect is performance. You honor your parents because they're your parents. Because God put them into authority over your life. Now, I hope you had wonderful parents. You say, I don't want to honor them like I want a marriage like them. I respect how they did it. But even if they didn't do a great job, honor them in their parenthood. Now, as you become an adult, you don't have to obey them anymore. You must choose your own life and your own way. So we're going to talk about children in a couple of weeks. And children need to obey their parents. So we're going to, I'm going to teach you uh, how to do that. Uh, you know, like, good luck with that. Uh, so I'll work on that in a couple of weeks. So, but, but when you're an adult, that you don't, you don't have to anymore, but you do have to honor them always. So number two, and so, uh, so, so number one, you honor, not obey. Number two is you need to learn a proper separation, proper separation. What I see happening a lot of times in parents these days is they, re- they are so overly involved in their children's lives is that when their children become an adult, they can't help but jump in again and again and again. And, and, and that intrusion, that hurts the intimacy of their, of their relationship and of their spouse's relationship. You need to learn how to have proper separation. And so the way I wrote it is this unsolicited advice is usually taken as criticism unsolicited advice is usually taken as criticism and so there is a moment where i hope that they want your advice but when you just throw it in constantly listen you're you're not learning how to separate and treat them like an adult you have to learn how to do that and have, have a, uh, and, and obviously I'm not talking about separation like we never see you. I'm, I'm talking about emotional separation. I'm talking about uh, uh, advice that we give them and the ways that we do that. So that unsolicited man, that is usually, people don't do well in that. Uh, and, and so, and especially what I see a lot of is if you made a really bad mistake, you over advise in that area because you don't want your kids to make the same mistake. But, but it, 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 it comes across real disingenuous because your kids know. Like, you stunk at that growing up, and here you are giving me advice. I mean, listen, listen, I mean, I can watch some YouTube videos on hair care products, but that doesn't mean I can tell you what to do, okay? It's the same way with your parenting. I just threw that in. Ball joke. There we go. Uh, so, number three is we need to learn communication. You need to learn how to communicate to your adult parents. And adult parents, you need to learn how to communicate to your children. And the big idea in communication is, I hope everything's going well, but it might be that you need to set up boundaries. Boundaries. 
In other words, you're my adult child. You can do whatever you want. But it seems as if you are choosing to sin. It seems as if you are choosing things that, that, that are not uh, appropriate in a Christian's life or, or I don't think are wise. And so, man, I, you know, that's your life, but you can't bring that here and ha- expect me to act like it's not sin. So you can, you know, live together before you're married. I don't think that's wise, but you can't bring that here to my house. It's a good example. No, 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 we don't, we don't do that here. And well, then we, won't, we just won't come. Okay, well, that's a boundary that we have. You can't bring sin into my house and make me wink the eye or look away. That's not going to happen here. Learn how to communicate that well and succinctly and then move on remembering the honor component in all of this. You don't get luxury. You don't get long-winded. You say your piece with as much grace as you can in, in that situation. And then the fourth way to uh, work with your adult children, and this is what we're all going for, write down the word friendship. Friendship. You want to be friends with your children. Like you're always going to be their mom and their dad, but you want them to call you and just like, oh, guess what happened today? And just like tell you their life. It's so exciting. It's so wonderful. And, and, and I hope that, that from time to time in that friendship that you have this side component like you do with your other friends, which is trusted advisor. See, I have some friends, so I had a friend last week that was going through a similar situation, that had gone through successfully a similar situation that I was going through in my life. So I called my friend, and he goes, hey, what are you doing? I said, I'm calling you to coach me. He goes, no, seriously, what are you doing? And I was like, no, I'm serious. I was like, you went through this situation in your life, and I'm going through, what did you do? So he's my friend, but in this moment, it was trusted advisor. You want to be that with your kid. Like, like, man, I... Man, Dad, man, I know you did this great. Can you help me out? But even if not, like they just share their life with you. They share what's going on. They, they, they do that. And it's, it's, it's wonderful. I love it. I love it. I love it. And so, so be careful that you learn how to separate from your father and mother and enter into this new priority where you look at your spouse and prioritize them. The second thing I want to talk about is the Bible says, and that person will be joined to their wife. That man will be joined to their wife. This is the law of pursuit. The law of pursuit. So in other words, I don't just prioritize you. I pursue you over and over and over again. I want to woo you on a continual basis. I want to feed your needs. I want to make sure that our our relationship is good for the long term. And so the law of pursuit, this word be joined, it's it's a continual thing. It's not like, oh, well, we got married. We're good. No, 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 no. It's be joined, be joined, be joined, be joined, be joined. So I'm continuing to pursue it. Now, here's the problem with pursuit, is it's so easy and fun in the early days. It's easy and fun to date and pursue in the early days. It's, it, it just is. So my son's dating a, a girl right now, and uh, they're pretty serious, and, and honestly, we love her. In, in fact, we like her better than my son, uh, to be real honest with you. So, so man, it's, it's, it's all good there. But, but the, the, the problem is, is here are Mel and I, and when they come to the house, like they just 
love each other. You can tell the feelings are all over the place. Every single thing he says, she thinks is funny. I mean, every single one. They pick on each other, and the other one's like, oh, you know. And uh, sometimes I say stuff funny, and my wife's like, if I just laugh, it's just going to encourage you. Uh, yeah, you know, if I pick on my wife, she's like, quit. You know, leave me alone, right? I mean, the fee, it's not fair that my wife and I have been married 25 years, and we don't have those same feelings anymore. Like, that's not fair at all. I mean, three to four times a week, we have the exact same conversation. You want to go get something to eat? Yeah. What do you want? I don't know. What do you want? Here we go again. I mean, you know, like, it's not fair. They have the feeling, I don't know. Where do you want to go? I don't know. Ah, you know. Ah. Ah. Right? (laughs) But that's the way it's supposed to be, and it's wonderful. But if you think, I'm I'm preaching this sermon right before Valentine's Day. If you think that that's love, then you're missing out. That's feelings. That's feelings. And and those come and go. There are seasons where they dissipate. There are seasons where they're intense. And and, and you have to learn that. And so so I'm actually in a... um, uh, community or a, a topical group right now, Freedom in Christ. And in our homework last week, this was a, a line, and I love it. It's fantastic. So I want to uh, use it. It says, "You don't feel your way into good behavior; you behave your way into good feelings." In the early days, you just got good feelings all the time, so you do act right. But but after that moment, you've got to learn how to pursue. Do the right things so that the feelings, they, they do uh, sometimes wane, and the, but they will come back. But you've got to not wait till you feel like doing this or not wait till they deserve you to do this. You've got to go and you've got to do this whether you feel like it or not or whether they deserve it or not in these moments. So you've got to behave, uh, feel your way, behave your way into good feelings. So let me give you a few feeling lies really quickly that, that are very pervasive in our culture. The, the, the first feeling lies, if I, if I meet the right person or marry the right person, the feelings will be there. No, the feelings are there in the early days, even if they're the wrong person. Like, I mean, somebody dated a serial killer and loved them. I'm just telling you right now. And so, and they felt good about it. So don't base your, uh, don't base if you're dating on just the feelings alone. The Bible says love is patient. Learn how to see the type of person they really are. And then choose wisely in your marriage if you're dating. The second feeling lie is if my feelings change, maybe I married the wrong person. I had feelings, and then they changed, so maybe, I, you know, maybe they were the right person for that season. So um, I've been in ministry our whole, my whole married life, which means my wife has basically been a single mom every Sunday morning her entire life, including when we had little kids. And I didn't know it at the time, but I would wake up. I wake up early on Sundays. I head off to church, and I leave my wife at home basically as a single mom to get herself and the kids ready. And then she's got to show up at church, and everybody's like, oh, look, there's the pastor's wife, such a cute family. You know, and she's just trying not to kill a kid. I mean, you know, or, or try not to show her anger to me for not helping her. 
And she'll tell you, like, there were days in there where she was just like, oh, yeah, uh, you know, like it was hard and it, it, it really kind of wasn't fair the, the, the way that, that, that ministry did for her. Well, but that feeling was gone. Did she, did she make a wrong decision in marriage? Maybe because it was me, but, but in a general sense, no, right? No, no, it was, it was a season thing. It was, you know, it was, it was like those feelings. That this season was very, very hard for her. And I wasn't there as much as a, a, a normal, you know, a good husband would, would have been because of my job. And, and so she had to learn how to process through that and not let that dictate, well, this is the wrong guy. Another, another feeling uh, mistake you can make is if I did something good for you yesterday, I don't have to do something good for you today. Thinking love is like, love is like a bank account. Man, I put in $20 yesterday and I only took out three. So I've got some, I've got some money left in the bank. I, I did nice things for you yesterday. I said I loved you yesterday. I served you yesterday. As opposed to this ongoing basis of saying, uh, Jimmy Evans, who, who a lot of this material we, we went through, uh, he, says, he says, if you want to use the bank account, that's fine. But make sure that you understand that it's zeroed out every day at midnight. It's zeroed out, and you start out at even Stephen, and you've got to put more in today and put more in tomorrow and put more in tomorrow. You can't, you can't rely on being nice yesterday. You should be nice every single day and go out of your way. Those feelings, that's how you behave your way into those feelings. So let me give you um, some behavior words in pursuit that you ought to be looking at. Now, you naturally do these in dating, but these are, these are the ones that you need to concentrate on uh, once you are done in your dating. So the first word is sacrifice. Sacrifice. You ought to, if you're going to pursue your spouse, pursue your wife, pursue your husband, then you have to sacrifice for them. And what that means is, is that their needs are before you fill their needs before you fill your own needs. Now, hopefully, they have that same mentality, and they're fulfilling your needs. But you're not in charge of them. You're in charge of you. See, when we stand up for our vows, we don't say, I promise to give you the life you always wanted. I promise we'll have enough money. I promise things will go perfect. You don't make those vows because you cannot determine outcomes. What you can determine is actions. And you say, I will love, honor, cherish, obey. I will do these things hoping that it produces good results. So I'm going to sacrifice. The best book I've ever read about sacrifice is The Five Love Languages, Gary Chapman. Uh, Five Love Languages teach about how you love a person the way that they would like to be loved. And so, because you might, you might be thinking you're sacrificing, but it's, it's, it's your love language. It's the way you want to be loved. And so you've got to learn how to do there. So, so my wife is quality time. My wife, uh, she doesn't uh, need romance. She doesn't care about romance. She, does, she doesn't need gifts or expensive things. She just wants to spend time together. And so when we were uh, young, and, I mean, like, like you just, she used to say to me, like, work hard, but I want to see you at home every day at 515. And so just come home and be with the family. And I remember early on in our marriage kind of learning this intuitively because Melinda would get up in the morning like on Saturday morning and be like, hey, I'm going to H-E-B. Do you want to go? And I'd be like, well, no. Why should, why should both of us be punished? I mean, you know, like you go, you know, give me some, give me some ice cream, uh, you know. And so, 
But it, it, it didn't have to be like an, a date. It just had to be together. And so, so I was like, okay, well, let's go. And like my wife always goes with a list and everything. So I, I like push around the cart. A lot of times she'll be like, just stand here and wait for me. So people are like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm building my marriage. Yeah, you know, like I'm just uh, say, all right, go over here. Okay. Yeah, you know, like, and so just working on my marriage, man. So like you got to. You got to learn how to sacrifice in the way that they want that, and 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 so that this this especially when you have when you're young, so you're you know you're having to shuck the corn in your job, you're having to raise kids, you're having to uh, do marriage. Like this, this doesn't leave a lot of extracurricular time for you. Like that, like there's not a lot of like. Well, what about me time? You know, and 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 you can kind of look at that person and go, you can have that in two decades when the kids are out of the house. Because right now, it's time to sacrifice and pursue your spouse. Second word, write down the word time. Time. It's not about quality time. It's about a quantity of quality time. It's about a lot of time together and spending time. And I think some people get this one wrong because they're like, I spend time. I come home every day. Do you? Does your mind come home? Do your words come home? Does your heart come home? Or does just your body come home? That's, that's different. Man, I, I, I bring it, you've got to bring it all home and, 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 and give that to, to your spouse in, in time, the, the very best that, that you, you can do. Uh, I, I, um, I don't do this anymore because time is, is not the same for me now. But when, when uh, I learned a, a prayer early on, and I prayed this prayer a bunch, like on my way home from work, and I'm, I'm tired, you know, I'm pastoring this church, and some days it's not going good, and some days it's hard, and some days, especially in the early days, it did a lot of things that I wasn't good at, uh, and it really took a lot out of me. And then I come home. And I would, I would either like, you know, the last block or sometimes I'd sit in the driveway or in the garage for just a second. And I would pray and I'd be like, Lord, I gave it my all today at River Valley. Like I did the best I could. But now I'm going to go and I'm going to do my most important ministry of the day. And, and this, like I don't have as much energy as I had in the morning. I'm a little stressed and they're going to, you know, you know, demand of me. God, help me. Help me in this moment to give them my time and give it graciously. God. And so, uh, beside time, write down the words emotions and communication. Emotions and communication. You have to learn. Um, we tend to say men, but, but women could do it too. We have to learn how to show our spouses our emotions. Not lash out in anger because we're afraid of our emotions. That's what, that, that's what men do incorrectly. That's usually not your actual emotion. You're scared of that, and you're not wanting to, to verbalize that. So you've got to learn how to communicate and just open up your emotions. And here's, here's what's strange about this. This actually happened in my marriage this week with, with me. So I'm not sharing something of Melinda's life, but... Um, I was going through a, through a moment and, uh, and I had some things that had nothing to do with Mel. Uh, but I sat down and we sat down on the couch and I just like emotionally vomited uh, like my childhood. Like just, you know, like, ah! you, you know, like, I mean, you, you know, like, I'm sure she was like, man, you are messed up. Uh, right. And, and, and you would think if you've never done this before. You would think that the other person would recoil. 
That's the lie that, that keeps us from doing that. Because you're afraid that if I share my inner world, if I share past trauma, if I share experiences that literally no one else knows about, I'm going to tell those to you. You would think that even if sometimes they're dark and twisted, that that person would be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's, it's, that's a lie. Because what actually happens is that you have shown yourself to that person and that emotional vulnerability draws you closer. See, Melinda knows some things that literally no one else in the world knows about me. No one. And I've shown them, and, and that brings, that's, that's what intimacy is. We think of it as, as sexuality. No, 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 it's this, it's this, this world that I'm, I'm so nervous to share with you about. And I give that, that time and communication. Now, let me, if, if your spouse does this, again, it tends to be husbands aren't as good at this and wives do it a little bit more naturally. It might be reversed and that's fine too. But let me make sure if, if your spouse does this for you, you hold that information in confidence. Shut up about it. Don't tell other people ever, ever. Like, you, I mean, I'm telling you, if you break, if you break this and, and you share, because men are very emotionally um, uh, weak. And if you share that inner world, then, then you, you may not get another chance. So hold it. But if you never have shared this and done this, like look for moments, pray for moments, um, and then just, just open up and watch the intimacy grow. It is tremendous, tremendous. Number three, write down the word energy. Energy. Uh, Jimmy Evans again, he says, he says this is a aggressive behavior. In other words, not, not aggressive like mean, but like I bring the juice to my marriage. <laughs> I bring it to my children. I, I bring energy and excitement. I bring the best of me in, in these moments. And you need to learn to bring energy in everything that you're doing. You can make everything enjoy so much more enjoyable if you'll make a choice to bring energy into this. And then the fourth one is attitude. Is attitude. This one's this one's easy to illustrate. Do you have kids? Uh, do your kids, especially teenagers, do they sometimes obey, but your attitude, their attitude makes you want to smack them? Uh, I mean, have you ever had that where they're like, yes, sir. And you're just like, I gotta, I gotta, I hit you so bad. Uh, uh, you know, like they say the right thing, but with the wrong body language, with the wrong, you know, with rolling of eyes. They're like, like it, it, it's not just the right thing, but it's the right attitude that carries so much weight. So if you've not been doing any of these things, you might have to say, hey, I was, you know, to your spouse, like I was a little bit convicted today and I want, I want to try to do better. Don't make promises. Just say, I'm going to do my best and, and try. But um, don't as well go and go, well, Pastor Cody says that, you know, like that, that's, that attitude, that stinks. Might as well just not do it. Even if you do the right things, your attitude, like I, I, I pursue you. Think about like, I chase you. Why? Because you're worth it. Because you are a prize that God has given to me. You are 
worthy and wonderful. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are in the image of God. And how fortunate and blessed of a man I am, of a woman I am, to be married to you. I bring that attitude into my marriage. Now, some of you, uh, maybe you're married, but you're here alone today. I get it. Maybe you're here today and you've, you're already sensing a, a disconnect that you're, you're, you're worried about. Like you're worried about where's, where's this thing going? Or it just stays like this forever in, in mediocrity. Let me encourage you today. Think about any miracle in the Bible. Anyone. Miracle of creation, God parting the Red Sea, God stopping the sun in Joshua, God destroying the walls of Jericho, Jesus getting raised from the dead and resurrection. Any miracle, think, think of one. What happened in that miracle was that a problem occurred of which the people could not solve. If they could solve it, they didn't need a miracle. So they pray to God, and then what happens? Sometimes you need a miracle. You're like, I don't even know how to like suggest to you, God, to fix this situation. Like if you start having a little bit of marriage problems, you can pray, you know, like God help me to do this or help them to do this or something. But, but there could be a moment, and I want to talk to the outside extremes. Some of you think that this thing is over. But there could, where you, you don't even know how to offer to God any suggestions on how to fix it. The Bible says that God joined you together in marriage. And God specializes when you've got a problem so big, you don't even have a solution to offer. That's when you just say, God, I cannot do this, but I do not want to give up on the beauty that is marriage and what you have given me in this woman or in this man. And that's when God can do a miracle and God can twist everything. And God can say, I desire for you to have this. See, God made marriage for you. And if you're married, God made that for you. And it's okay to pray even on the outside of like, God, I, I'm holding on here. I'm hanging on. Can you do something wonderful and great? Because I don't want to just make it through. I want to make it through holding hands and have my arm around you and loving you all the days of my life. From the moment I stood at the altar... Till the last of my days, God, help me to have this. So here's what I want to do for you today. I want to ask you to stand to your feet. And today, instead of us praying, I'm going to pray for you. But I'd like you to, if you're here with your spouse, uh, grab, grab your spouse, you know, hold hands. Sometimes, sometimes some of you have a kid in the middle, all right? Uh, so, and I've seen this actually several times with a teenager. Usually the reason you're in the middle is you're the, the trouble. Uh, and so they're like, you know, they're like on both sides. I've, I've actually seen this with adult children too, where I'm like, yeah, it's you, isn't it? So, uh, so get the kid out of the way, all right? And, uh, I want you holding on to your, holding on to your spouse, all right? And I just want you to, to just hold on, just close your eyes for just a second. And I'm just going to pray for you. I'm just going to try to pray through the dis different situations today. And I, I know I can do this with authority because God has joined together.
So, Father, I want to start today and I want to pray for those who want to be married in this room. Maybe they're, you know, maybe they're, they're in the dating or the engagement process. Maybe they're before that. Maybe they're too young or they're the right age, but they don't uh, have that person yet. God, I pray that you would show them, first of all, fulfillment in Christ. God, it is a misnomer that marriage will fix us. Jesus, you are worthy of everything. Show them who you are. God, help them to work on their character and who they are so that when they meet the person, if you have someone for them to meet, God, that they'll be ready in their life. Father, I pray for married couples today, whether they're the, the, the most recently married or engaged to the, to the, I met a couple in the first service, 42 years. I'm sure there's, there's even older. God, I pray that we would prioritize and pursue one another. God, that we would give sacrificially time and energy and attitude and attention to our spouse. Not just when we're dating, when it's easy and when we feel like it. God, I pray that we would, we would communicate today from this sermon what, you know, what, hey, encouragement, you're doing really good on this. Or boy, maybe, you've, maybe we've dropped the ball a little bit and we can pick some things up. Father, I pray for the men in this room. The Bible says that we're to love our wife as Christ loved the church. Help us to be sacrificial in our love. God, I, I, I tend towards selfishness so quickly. And what my wife can do for me and fulfill me. God, help us to be like Jesus. Who loved the bride of Christ so much. That he was willing to give his only life them God they are worthy of that type of sacrificial love Father I pray for the wives in this room God I, I think um, most men we grow up thinking we're going to be married but women think about it a lot God I pray that you would help them to have the type of marriage that they dreamed of when they were young God, I pray that you would not allow them to adjust their marriage to their current reality, but that you would show them how to have a vision for the type of marriage that you gave them even when they were young. Father, I pray that we would continue to pursue righteousness and holiness in our marriage and that we wouldn't make it to the finish line not getting uh, divorced, but God, that we would make it to the finish line with love and hand-holding and hugs. God, we pray for our children that they would have better marriages than we've had. We pray that they would uh, live up to a higher standard and that we would see marriages continue to flourish as a testimony to this is the gospel. This is Christ dying for his bride. We love you. We praise you. We honor you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you for our spouse. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. I pray that the message gave you hope, that you were inspired, you were challenged. 
And I want to also encourage you that if you'd like to join us live, you can go to myrivervalley.church or download the River Valley app for more info about service times, directions, and ministries. And thank you for giving. Your generosity and how you serve as our church family is so important to us. You are helping reach people for the gospel of Jesus. You can go to myrivervalley.church give for more details there as well. We'll see you next week.